Welcome to the More Than Models podcast. Your host is Andreas, the founder of modelmanagement.com. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Welcome to More Than Models. In this podcast, I talk with models, influencers, photographers, directors, with managers of brands, advertising agencies, and model agencies. And we look behind the scenes of the world's fastest growing modeling platform, modelmanagement.com. My guests and I discuss a wide range of topics such as diversity, dealing with rejection, work-life balance, and how technology is changing this industry to become safer and more transparent. Each conversation is packed with insights into this amazing modeling world. And I hope you will enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoy making it. It sound right, boy. Welcome to another episode of More Than Models podcast. Today, I'm super happy to have Mark Charak in the studio. Hi, Mark. Hi, Andres. Nice to be here. Thanks Hi. for having me. You're welcome. I'm, I'm super happy. And uh, yeah, just to present you from my from my perspective, before people uh, will know you and, and listen to what you have to say, you have been a TV commercial director for almost 10 years in London. You are from London originally. And uh, then something brought you to Barcelona. Uh, you start working as content creator, work for the leading resource of uh, audiovisual industry, productionparadise.com. And you ended up working for modelmanagement.com, which is, of course, a very interesting part for this podcast. Um, so I guess this is a, a good good introduction and to describe you. And now, um, yeah, let's start to understand what is it? What does it mean to be a TV commercial director? What is this job about and how, how did everything start? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not a job that many people do, I guess. Uh, I remember when I was starting out that there was, uh, I think, around about uh, 200 directors in London. Um, so if you think about, you know, in, in the point of view of like careers, it's kind of hard to, to become a director. In my case, uh, I started off studying um, graphic design. Uh, and while I was doing graphic design, I had a project that was for a storyboard that uh, uh, some uh, production company had come in and set us for a homeless charity. Um, and uh, one of the guys who set the project uh, really liked it. And uh, and as I was doing it, I realized it was something I had a big knowledge of um, because I was always passionate about film and filmmaking. Uh, I'd worked in a video shop for about eight years uh, since I was very young. And, um, and yeah, and I had this knowledge of filmmaking, which I, I didn't really realize I had until I started storyboarding um, and all my film references came out. And so I, I started off working for this production company just while I was still at college, but um, just to sort of uh, try and get this product, this actual commercial that I had started working on uh, into production. Uh, unfortunately, production never happened in the end. However, it gave me my insight and gave me uh, an, an eye into this world that I never knew existed, which was super exciting. Um, yeah, and from there, it kind of sparked my interest and I became a runner um, in production companies in Soho. Oh, hold in, on, hold on, Mark. What, what is, so you, you are dropping some words that I'm kind of familiar with, but still it's, it's a different world and for many of the people listening as well. You said you worked in a video shop and then you start work as a runner. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, yeah. what is a video shop and what is a runner? Ah, sorry. Yeah, video <laughs> shop. Yeah, God. Yeah, now video shops don't exist so much um, because everything's Netflix. Um, but many years ago, um, uh, when people didn't have Netflix and only had the cinema, uh, and videotape existed, which then went to DVD and now no one's got DVDs anymore. Um, so people would go to a video shop and hire a video cassette. Ah, okay. So this so is Blockbuster and all these kinds of shops. And there was a very small one near my house where I grew up. And from the age of, I think, 13 or 14, I was, I was working in a video shop on the weekends and evenings after school. Um, right. I'm not sure if that was actually legal, but anyway, <laughs> I was uh, I was working in there to make some extra money. Depends on which category you work. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so obviously, working in a video shop in those days was great because you always had videos playing and you always had movies playing. It was really annoying and frustrating when customers would come in and interrupt you. And uh, so, but generally, it was a lot of fun, and you and you just got to see thousands of films. And okay, but this is Netflix, where, as you said. I mean, so today, this is it's Netflix, it's like, but it's a, it's a different world now. But yeah. in those days, that was my education. And then uh, that was my film education nice. that I was building, which I didn't even realize I was building. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then obviously I, I, was, I started introducing that into every project I did while I was at college after my initial kind of moment uh, where I felt like this is where I want, you know, I feel like I have to do this. And... Uh, and then, yeah, and then uh, started working as a runner. Now, a runner is basically somebody in production companies that still exists um, and where it's the person that does anything that needs doing in the company where you're helping the production team. Um, so you make coffee. You <laughs> take, in those days, we'd take showreels from one place to another, but now it's you just take things that need to be delivered, although most things are digital now. Uh, you just help. And it's a brilliant, brilliant learning ground. Um, because what you do, you're working next to directors, you're working next to producers, production assistants, the whole team. You are work. You're going to production houses like uh, facility houses, which are the places where they do the post production. So you get to see everything. It's like a little window into the whole world of production. Uh, and while you're there, you start making friends, and you start talking to people, and you start helping people with what they're doing, and. All of a sudden, you're involved in this amazing uh, world of whether it's advertising, film production, whatever, uh, it works for both. Um, so, and then what happens is when you want to do something, so in my case, I was working there, but I was, I was writing scripts and I was making ideas for short films. Uh, I suddenly had a pool of people that I could use when I wanted to execute those productions. So all of a sudden I had people, I had uh, like, we had like people in the film department. There's lots of people in a film department for a camera in the camera department. So if you work in a camera, if you're, let's say you're a director of photography, somebody who films films and films TV commercials, there's a crew that's usually behind you. And the crew are people that are in those days, they had clapper boards because it was like, you know, the, the board that goes clap. Um, you had somebody who did that, who loaded the film. You had a focus puller, somebody who actually as the camera moves, it's got to keep focus. There's somebody that just does that on the camera because the cameraman is operating. Um, so there's all these people. Now, what's interesting is the clapper boy or clapper girl wants to be a focus puller. The focus puller wants to be a cameraman <laughs> and, and it goes up the chain. So, and the cameraman is sometimes the same as a director of photography. So as a runner, you're at the other end at the bottom, as, as a runner, <laughs> you talk to the clapper boy or you talk to the focus puller, you say, hey, I've got an idea for a short film. Do you want to do you want to shoot that? And then they get to practice. They know all the people in the camera houses. 
so that where the like the places where they can get the cameras so they can do you deals and free get you free gear everyone does everyone favors and all of a sudden you've got a production team you have a friend who's a production assistant that wants to be a producer you get them to produce your short film and this is how it starts and then you've suddenly got a crew around you which is quite professional and very knowledgeable they're not going to be the top top but they're very knowledgeable and you as a director and your idea and you have to do castings and it's, you usually do a lot of things yourself. You probably haven't got the luxury of having casting agents. But again, if you know a casting agent that you're working with, again, you've got that if you need. And you put together a short film for a very minimal budget. Something that would normally cost 50000 could actually cost you 3000 <laughs> it's, it's still a lot of money for, for many people, 3000 Yeah, but um, it's, uh, it's, yeah. But yeah, let, let me just reflect on that. Sure. So you, from from you did a very typical move in your career. I mean, from from having passion about something. In your case, was the film industry, uh, working close to that, getting to know the industry. Then as a runner, uh, understanding the different roles in that. But you just dis discovered that you have something stronger and bigger in mind that you wanted to create your own films. So I think um, a, a director, a commercial director, TV or film director. Um, is I think the highest uh, aspiration you can have in film because he or she is the one who, who directs and who decides the content, uh, people involved and, and the whole story. Uh, it's not something you can just do from one day to the other. You have to really work on it and, and you, you got to this point, which is great. Um, so tell us a bit from, uh, from that point of view. Now, now you're a TV commercial director, you have done your uh, first short films and projects. People kind of liked it probably, that's why they gave you more projects. Yeah. And now we dive into your, like, you, you did it, you know, you, yeah. you get the first, the <clears throat> well, first just, great job. So what was just what Just to about? reflect how that works, that moment. So because you're obviously a runner, you're somebody that's at the bottom uh, and you want to be someone at the top. Now, someone at the top doesn't mean you have to work your way all the way up to the top. What it means is you have to be good and you have to have good ideas that, that somebody, a producer, thinks they can sell you as a director to advertise, especially in commercials, uh, to advertising agencies. Film, it's different. Generally, you've got to have your own film or you start in TV. There's a slightly different workflow. But generally, you as it doesn't matter how old you are. It's got nothing to do with that. It's all about how passionate you are and what you're able to do and that you can prove what you can do. So short films is a way to prove what you can do. You just go out and do it yourself. You don't wait for someone to come and ask because trust me, no one is going to come and ask you <laughs> unless they can see that it's possible that you can do it. So in my case, I had a production. I was working in a production company uh, for a film actually, but it was in the same office as a commercials production company. And this was HLA, Helen Language Associates in London. And she saw my film, her and her partner, Mike Wells, they saw my short films and they really liked them. And they come and approached me and said, because we knew each other because we saw each other in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> making coffee while well, I was making coffee and they were running production company. Um, and they and they said, we really like your film. We think maybe we can get you work. So then that's how that. So it is possible. It is possible to go from even you might be at the bottom of the scale. It doesn't. It's not about that. It's about what you can do and what you can show you can do. Then they represented me and, and they uh, started to find me work. So they, they gave me an amazing opportunity because they trusted in me and believed in me. Um, and uh, and it's but so you can go from being a runner, making the tea one day to being the director um, and you're at the top of the chain the next 
which is exactly what happened to me. <clears throat> yeah. In fact, my, in fact, my first shoot, like I turned up, I drove myself and, and the, all, the, all the crew <laughs> and I say, hi, I'm Mark. They went, hello, Mark. Yeah. Hi. Thinking like <laughs> talking to me, like I'm a runner. And they said, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, oh, what do you do? I said, I'm the gaffer or I'm the electrician. Yeah. They said, oh, what do you do? Yeah. I said, I'm the director. And then they went, <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Oh, Mark, nice to meet you. Hi, things, Mark. And things then suddenly it changed a little bit. Sure, but, yeah. um, but it's, so it is possible, but you have to prove what you can do and you have to go out there and make it yourself and show people, I can do this. Um, so go on. Okay. Yeah. This, this is, this is more than models. And, um, and, uh, yeah, not everybody is a super a specialist in, in film directing, but I think everybody would, is excited to learn about it. Um, so first of all, I think for every career, if it's modeling, photography, or in your case, commercial director, um, yeah, you have to, I think you have to, first of all, know what you want, have passion about it. You have to start working at any, like be humble as, as a low level and then just show what, learn and show what you can do. And then you find luckily people who, who discover you because Good talent is always obvious and discovered, and good talent combined with hard work even more, uh, which was your case. So, so that's a good story. I like that. That's uh, that will also apply for for the modeling industry. Um, then also, I've learned from you that we have film directors for like movies, films, short films, and and TV commercials. Um, so let's focus on about the TV commercial because this is where modeling is most uh, requested. Otherwise, we will talk about actors. Which is also combining. Um, so, who are the the most important roles in a in a, in a TV commercial? Yeah, we, we all watch TV commercials in TV, but even YouTube, we see similar approaches. Um, so, who are the persons beside the TV commercial director mm -hmm. who are important to yeah. make a good quality, and and how do you do you work with them? Yeah, and and at which point you um, you decide a cast because then we can sure. talk about about modeling and everything yeah. yeah so how does and how is maybe the creative inspiration where does it come from like yeah what, what maybe i explain work? a little bit about the process because maybe i think people didn't know i never knew how it actually works so you have a client let's say you have coca-cola coca-cola has a budget uh for, per year for tv commercials uh they give that budget to an advertising agency uh, an advertising agency will divide that budget into different teams and then they have like a copywriter and an art director team Uh, who are assigned to make some uh, a, a commercial, a script or, or a campaign of scripts. They will come up with the idea. They will say, oh, we want to do this. We want to do that. That's going to be really good. That's going to be really funny. That's going to be really cool. They make, a nice, they make a nice script and then it's on paper. They will show that to the client and may do a quick mock-up of something just to give an idea. And the client will say yes or no. Uh, so they already get the approval that that's what they want to do. Then they have to find a director uh, that they think will bring their vision to the screen. Um, however, their skill is to come up with ideas uh, on paper uh, and a kind of a, a vision that they think was going to work. Then they find that they go to production companies uh, and they will maybe approach a few different production companies, say, hi, uh, can you send us some showreels? We're looking for someone to shoot this new Coca-Cola commercial. Uh, a production company represents a bunch of people, a bunch of directors in the same way an agent represents actors or anyway. So basically they, the production company will send the show reels that they think match the kind of script that this is going to be. If it's highly visual, they'll send a very photographic kind of style. If it's real life, they'll send someone who's good with performance and actors. Um, so they, so then the creative team and their producer, the agency producer 
we'll look at the um, at the different show reels and pick maybe three. Um, and they'll say, okay, let's let's send the script to these people. Um, they'll send the script. So, for example, if I was one of the directors, I would receive, say, hey, Mark, we've got a script in for you. It's from, I don't know, J. Walter Thompson. We've got a, uh, a Kellogg script for you. Can you look at that and see what you think? See if you like it. If you like it, we'll make a meeting and you can go in and, and uh, give your ideas. And that's what I would, I would receive a treatment. I would receive a script, sorry. And from that, I would have to start thinking about, okay, I see what they're kind of getting at. I kind of see their vision, I think. What's going to be my take on it? What, how am I going to bring my vision to their vision and really think of the world that that's going to, hap that's going, that's going to happen? I'll go in for a meeting with the creative team and we'll talk about, and I'll, I'll give my point of view. So then if they like me and they think, yeah, I'm the one that's going to bring that, their vision to the screen in the way that they like or they like my take on it, then we get confirmed on a job and then we start bringing in a team. Um, so then I would do a, a storyboard or to create a, either I draw it myself or I have a storyboard artist. But I, so that's when all the magic starts happening. That's when you've got to think about, okay, uh, what is this world? I'm now creating a world. I'm not just, it seems easy when you see a script on paper and you see someone, but you see someone talking, uh, in a certain location, who's talking, who's the cast, who's the actor, who's the model. How are they going to be? Who are they like? What, how can I build a reference of this so other people understand what I see in my head? Uh, which location? Where's the best place to shoot? Is it a studio? Is it South Africa? Is it? You've got to think about what is, how am I going to bring my world to flesh out everything that's on paper? What's the music? What's the lighting? What's the, the shots, the camera style? Uh, what's the pacing? What's the editing? There's lots of things. And this is where the skill of a director comes in uh, to create that world. So then you've got to think about the team. Okay, I need a director of photography. Who's my direct, like camera, like the top cameraman? Who's the person that I think is going to be the best person to bring my vision of all? Let's say I think of a movie. I don't know. I think of Amelie, always everybody's commercial director's favorite. Amelie, beautiful. Okay, I want this to look a bit like Amelie, but a bit like, you know, and kind of come up with ideas. Who's got that lovely visual style? Which director of photography has got that? Like, so I would look at showreels of, of director of photographers and see who I like. Uh, Mark, um, question. I yeah. just said director of photography. I'm, uh, we're all familiar with photographers and photography world. Mm -hmm. Many people listening are, are models of photographers who work with photographers. Not everybody has worked in a TV commercial, so it's sure. a bit like a different world. I think yeah. it's... Uh, and many things you said remind me of a, of your job, also of a photographer job, like having this idea how to visualize something, which location normally is, is a briefing for photography, that's Very photography. Similar. Yeah. Um, and then in this case, uh, it, it's, a, it's a director and then you bring in a photographer or the director of photography. How, is, yeah. how, is, how can you explain the difference between uh, yeah, because... the role of a photographer or DOP the, uh, in a TV commercial yeah, of a photographer in photography? It's tricky because as a, as a director, you may have a great idea of a, of of how you want to shoot something and you may, may be able to draw it on paper and you may even, if someone gave you a camera, be able to shoot. But a director of photography is someone that has the photographic knowledge that a photographer has, but for moving image. And not only that, they have the whole specialized lighting of how they, how they can light something. And it's a craft on its own. Um, so this is why you have like these craft awards and these awards are specifically because It's a separate thing. Some some directors are, photog are director of photographers as well, but generally they're people that started off as a director of photography or cinematographer, um, and then they went into directing commercials um, because they're highly visual. But um, so a director of photography is similar to a photographer. Um, 
However, uh, they understand all about movement and they understand about the drama behind the movement of the camera. So when you move a camera, you don't just move a camera. You move a camera for a reason. You move a camera to enhance an emotion. You move a camera to, or you set a camera in a certain position with a certain angle um, to, to create an emotion. But it's not only the one photo like a photographer. It's understanding how that's going to piece together in a series of, if you like, photos in a series of many frames. Um, and how that's going to create an overall mood for either a film or a commercial, whatever it is. So it's a very specific role, but it obviously includes uh, for, uh, like photography, lighting, um, generally also because you're lighting big scenes. So a director of photography won't just work on his own, like a lot of photographers work, maybe with an assistant, but a director of photography or cinematographer will have a crew purely to help them light. Uh, depending on the budget, obviously. Mm. But in a typical <clears throat> commercials case where you've got a high budget, you have a director of photography who's in charge of a team and the gaffer is your head electrician. And then he has a team of people. So we're talking <laughs> so a lot. Huge, this, is where, huge, this is where the money comes in teams, for commercials. Yeah. So we could say that, that um, in commercial, I mean, we know it's uh, it's much bigger teams. When we see shooting uh, in the street of movies or TV commercials, you see a lot of Yeah. Uh, vans and cars and many people running around. Yeah, you wonder what they will do. Amazed, yeah. like 50, 100 <laughs> yeah. people. What do they do? Yeah. And catering yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. In photography, you can have that, but it's rather five to ten people. Um, yeah. And I think that's why it's necessary that you have a director who has the whole control about the whole set and the whole idea directing. And the photographer is more like really just creating this world with the lighting and stuff. I, yeah. I think I think I get that. And it's, it's really good to hear that because... Um, From, from somebody inside, it's, uh, it's exciting, but now I understand better why, why you need yeah. so, so many people. Um, also, budgets are higher, which is good and bad, but I think it's, it's nice, you can play around with stuff. This is probably because um, uh, at the end, the brands who can afford to do a TV commercial, they need to have a lot of budget, and the, the budget for producing is probably, especially in your times, almost nothing compared to the budget they need to broadcast it on many TV yeah. channels. Yeah, or, absolutely. So that's why it's all relative, you know, like spending 100,000 or yeah. 500,000 or whatever on a TV commercial is is a lot of money, but it's relatively not a much if you spend a couple of millions in in broadcasting. Um, exactly. Let's go. So now, so now we are, we know which level we're talking about, having somebody who got there in London. I think London is also, I would say in Europe, the the spot for, for that. So you, you have come to a point where I think many people would like to be. And now, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about a nice, like uh, the first project or the, the best project that you had and, 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 and how, uh, how, that, how that started and what went wrong, what went well, and then let's go into the casting sure. and into the modeling. Yeah, I mean, well, the first project I ever did didn't go that well, actually, because basically when you start, um, you have to get test projects because maybe people don't want a, a whole budget of 250,000 pounds down on someone who's never made a TV commercial before. They might think, hmm, maybe not quite yet. <laughs> um, so your producer will go around uh, and talk to advertising agencies and people that they know and say, hey, if you've got anything that you just want to make that we can do on a low budget with like almost like a short film kind of style with people that we know. So I had one, it was Coca-Cola actually, funnily enough, but it was, uh, it was like, a, it was for some drink that they did. Uh, not some, the Christmas not, one. No, 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 no. We're talking a very different level. It was actually Coca-Cola was the brand, but it was for some drink that was owned. It was owned by Coca-Cola, but it was some small drink launch. That, anyway, the advertising agency was Mother uh, in London, and it was two guys that were super cool. 
and funny and uh, and they had this, this script and uh, and it was it was a bit ridiculous because it was one <laughs> one person dressed as a, a lemon one person dressed as an orange plain squash <laughs> a great remember. casting yeah you ma- yeah, imagine exactly. the model you have a great no, casting I mean, Coca-Cola and then we, we actually had like to go to mod- <laughs> we had to go to model makers the same people that made the Lion King and all the kind of for the, for the shows in London okay and like for, to make these things. and it was a, it was a joke it was a ridiculous commercial to, especially to be ridiculous and they were playing squash and like more <laughs> like you know like tennis like lemons squash. playing squash yeah exactly okay, it was something very, like really that cool. and it was and it was very silly and the and me and the editor were sitting there laughing, thinking this is hilarious, this is brilliant. And, <laughs> and then the creative team come in and said, "No, we don't like that." <laughs> so it actually didn't go well at all. But um, but but that was I, I thought it was funny. But they sense of humour kind of go in different directions, I guess. But um, but no, the first real commercial where I um, like I really one I think it was the second or third commercial I got was amazing. I was twenty five years old. And I got a McDonald's commercial uh, to shoot in South Africa in Cape Town, which was phenomenal. <laughs> you know, you talk to someone who's super excited about being a filmmaker, uh, somebody who's, um, you know, just lo- is just desperate, would do anything to be a director. And then somebody gives you a budget of, I don't know how many, over 150,000 or 200 grand. And you're able to go to South Africa, to Cape Town, which lots of people shoot in Cape Town, um, to film a commercial and it was the the idea was based on it was actually i think for happy meals or something and and they they wanted to make it look like a a kind of movie set it had to feel like a movie at the beginning and then that you come back and it looks like a set of a movie so i come up with this idea to make it look like a hitchcock movie uh and like a kind of almost like an eastern european or a Russian sort of style train station and lots of smoke, extras, everybody dressed in kind of old kind of clothing. And and all of a sudden I had this massive set in South Africa with hundreds of extras, big train, old fashioned train that they found that they brought in and these amazing actors that I wanted to look like film stars. And I'm suddenly in charge of all of this with cranes. and And it was one of those moments where you just think, Hang on a minute. I'm 25. <laughs> <What> <laughs> so, to you? I'm 25, and this is only the second commercial I've ever made, and I've got all this at my disposal. And so we did 12 days in in, in Cape Town. I made two TV commercials, different commercials, very different styles, both of them. But it was phenomenal. Have it you was... been nervous, or did you know? No, no, no. Okay, no. At, I can that, do that. at that time, it was the world's my oyster. It was okay, just you, like there was no you were super nerves. confident. Just super confident. You just kind of just the, the more the better. Yeah, you can't actually, afford to be nervous. No, if you no, have a you big crew and no. then have to direct them. I actually went to the headquarters of McDonald's in in France, in Paris, just outside Paris, to talk to uh, you know the I would say the big cheese, but that's kind of a bad joke. But uh, to talk to the <laughs> to the the head of because there was something he wasn't sure about with the script and the agency took me, it was a super nice agency. I can't remember who they were in, in France and, um, cause it was for French TV. And, uh, and then we all went around and sat around and I was like this 25 year old. I mean, that's quite young in this world. <laughs> and, um, and then telling the, the head of McDonald's, that I think he's wrong. And I think he should <laughs> go with this and we got it. And, and it went, and we went through and, and then we shot this amazing, I mean, for me, it was like a dream, like getting all the toys to play with, like budget and, extras and smoking it was just it was it was super exciting super exciting uh, was it kids because happy meal or did you have yeah there was kind of uh, yeah i mean uh, i think the the idea was that it was uh it starts off as a movie set and then you come and then when it pulls back it you realize 
uh, it's actually on the TV in a family's living room, and there's the family there. So okay. we shot the stuff in the family as well, in some house in somewhere in Cape Town. And then we had another TV commercial as well, which was shot in the streets. And, and it's very interesting because Cape Town, everyone goes to shoot in Cape Town because it, there's places that look like Europe. Uh, it has very good European-style streets. This this train station could have been anywhere, and it was very interesting locations. Uh, so it's very versatile, and you get guaranteed good weather, well, almost guaranteed good yeah. weather. So there's well, lots of productions that happen in South Africa. So so now let's go into the cast, because uh, yeah. I'm sure that everybody's super interested. Yeah. Uh, for that example, family yeah. sounds like, okay, kids, parents. That was a big cast, um, yeah. Did, you probably have to know, is this broadcasted in Europe or worldwide? I think yeah. you have to make decisions about what are the kind of faces you need. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so let us let us share with us how, how that works, You know how that briefing starts yeah. for the casting, how you approach it. The process until the final, yeah, final well, cast. Yeah, I mean, it comes from your vision. Um, because when you when you think of something, you think, oh, I, I, you know, generally you have a movie in mind or you have a, a, a lots of movies in mind and you think, I kind of want to rip off a movie because everybody wants to make movies. I wanted to make movies. So you think, how can I use commercials to make <laughs> something that looks like a movie? Um, so, uh, so in that case, I was looking at the classic movies. I was looking at Paul Newman. I was looking at people that were in these kinds of like movies in the 60s, like the Hitchcock kind of people. Um, and so that was my that was where my brief come from. I would put pictures together of people that I wanted these people, like for this scene that we were just talking about, I needed people that resembled um, these kinds of classic style actors from the 60s, you know, or, you know, like these kind of movies. So we uh, that was the brief. I had, well, it was obviously more elaborate and I, I, I gave a whole kind of backstory about the people like my brief was uh this person's worked for the cia for 10 years <laughs> he's been undercover for the last five years and i don't know and he's the kind of guy that walks into a bar the ladies look at him but he he, he doesn't look he tries to keep himself a bit more reserved but he's a real charmer i don't know <laughs> something like that and then uh references paul newman this person okay uh, and the wife for, and, and the, the wife the and I, i would give some famous actress name and okay. then go through the same kind of thing and try and build a picture for the casting director, uh, so they get an idea of the kind of person I'm looking for uh, and give photos, reference, and just kind of build a world for them. So it's like a mood board. I mean, okay, mood, so the, like Pinterest. The, you look there's at another role, the casting director, which also, casting director. Uh, unfortunately for photographers, they don't have that luxury to have yeah. a casting director. So you give this brief that you just described super, super nicely now, yeah. to understanding, okay, these are the characters I have in mind, and then the casting director reads it, and then he understands what he has to do, and he then reaches out to... To whom to get these Depends. people? Depends. They, they would they would and, reach out to different their different networks, their modeling agencies, their acting agencies, their people they've already worked with, people that have been in. Usually they're very experienced. They, you know, they bring in people. They bring in the people they they, they think you like. In this case, it was in, it was remote because the first part. Um, so they had to send us videotapes um, of what uh, of the people videotapes again. Videotapes in those videos yeah. as well. But so, so the people presenting themselves in general exactly. do they have to already do some acting or something that gives you more an, an yeah. idea if they are able to do what It, you need. Directors work in different ways. Uh, some directors like to work with actors. Some directors are sometimes a little bit afraid of working with actors. I'm a director, act, I'm a, a, actor, a director that likes working with actors uh, as part of what I think a director's role is, bring out a performance. Um, so in my case, they would do something. They would just, if there was lines to read, they would read the lines. Or they would just sort of introduce themselves. It depends. Usually they would go through a quick run through. I would look at the video, see if I think there's potential. 
then I'll go and meet them. And it's the same whether it's in Cape Town or whether it's same in London. I would probably see a first run through uh, or sometimes I just go straight to the studio. In, in this case, I went, to, I had to fly to Cape Town. I saw the shortlist of people that I liked. Um, and then I would take the, I would be in a casting studio and there would be a list of people, maybe like 10 or 15 people waiting of my shortlist. And one by one, I would bring them in and I would tell them what I would like them to do. And then if I think there's potential, I'll keep them for a bit longer and then tell them a few different things and then work with them a little bit and see whether there's a chemistry there, whether they have something that I think I can work with, uh, something that surprises me because a lot of actors or models come in. Like in this case, it was a model. The woman was a model. Um, and she was just super magnetic on screen. She came in, she was beautiful, but not just beautiful in a typical, someone's attractive. She was just had something that I was looking for. She had this kind of slightly classic kind of like uh, sort of uh, actress kind of style that I was looking for. Um, and she just got it. And she, she just kind of was talking with me. I, she understood what I wanted. Um, so yeah, so it was a good match. Uh, same for the guy. I had a guy who was kind of classic looking and, and, you know, the, the choice wasn't the biggest choice in, in Cape Town, but there was, there was lots of people. And then for the other commercial I was telling you, we made two commercials. I needed someone or the other part of the other one commercial as well. We need people that were very more down to earth and European, just like a friendly dad. Because mm. um, there was a whole other, whole other thing. And I wanted someone a bit quirky. Someone kind of like, was just fun, who kind of guy that would go take his kids out after school and always take them to the playground or always have them jumping on his back or always the kind of, you know, this kind of character. And then they, they actually had a guy who was from Belgium who lived there, who just had this kind of quirkiness, you know, just nice. And he came in and he read a few times and did a few actions that I needed him to do. And again, it was a match. So it's, it's really, you're, you're trying to, and, and it's not only you that decides this, you've got to remember, it's not like they give you loads of money, you go and make your film and then you just deliver it. You've got an agency with you probably in the casting, the same agency like the creatives who have written the script and their producer usually. They will either be in the casting with you or you'll send them your selection. So it's kind of like a process. So I need to please the agency as well as please myself. And if you get on well with the agency, which usually happens, um, you know, you're all kind of like a team, then you're kind of all on the same page. But sometimes there's differences. But then then they need to send those choices of your cast to the client for approval and that's sometimes, and this is, long, this is the business long process. It's a yeah. process and things happen that you don't like. And a client might say, yeah, I don't like that person. Everybody else loves them, you know, and everybody else yeah. has a vision. So yeah. that's the business. Yeah. But probably, I mean, they, if, if they hire a director, they trust your criteria and Usually. you have a, a big, a big <laughs> word and they, if it's a yeah. good, good relationship, they, yeah. They yeah. That, that's say, usually okay, where the agency he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and you said that you, you like to work with actors, but then also you, you said you had a model in the yeah, McDonald's sure. shoot. Yeah. Um, so is it like you have to have certain curriculum to, to get a chance in getting into this kind of TV commercials? Or is it more like you say, look, I have the special, I need a special authentic type. And if somebody comes in who has never done acting or modeling, but it's exactly the kind of person that I'm looking for, uh, do you go for it to say, no, that's too risky because I need experienced people? Mm, no, I think um, generally you're looking for someone that you've got chemistry with. Um, and I've worked with people that were very inexperienced, but gave great performances. And I've worked with people who were very experienced and also great 
Great. I've also worked with people who are very experienced and <laughs> gave terrible <laughs> performances. Of course. And it was a nightmare. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's always nice if someone's done it before. And obviously, you want to you wanna feel confident and you want to feel good that they're going to turn up and they're going to be there and they're going to be professional. And actors, again, acting is a craft, uh, just like anything else. And But... Again, for TV commercials, maybe it's not so necessary to have the best actors. Sometimes you have the best actors and they can also overthink it, uh, which has happened many times in my case. And uh, so there's, there tends to be a lot of people that have probably started modeling and, and then become able to act a little bit that work very well for commercials. And that's, that's the case a lot of times for people because, you know, if you think about a lot of commercials, commercials want people that are going to look happy. Uh, I mean, not, we're not talking about all the top, top artistic commercials. We're talking about commercials in a general sense. Um, they want people that are kind of going to relate to their audience in the same way as any advertising. They want someone who's everybody's going to be relatable to their audience. Um, so basically what happens is, is you get somebody who's, uh, who kind of looks kind of right for the part and can maybe say a few lines and understands it and just gets the... Being a commercial is kind of like a skill on its own from an acting point of view. It's kind of like you kind of got to know how it works. And it's not the hardest thing in the world to learn. Um, so sometimes if you're an actor and you've studied years of acting, and I know the craft of acting, it's it's, it's incredible craft. And a lot of respect goes because acting is, is, is a very deep sort of profession. Um, but sometimes you can overthink it. And sometimes you can try and bring too much to, to it. And with a commercial, you've got to go fast. You've got to shoot. You're, you're trying to shoot like you know, 50 shots in a day or 30 or 40 shots in a day. And you just got to get through it. And you may need to pivot and change very quickly how someone acts. And there may not be the time to really go deep and really do. You, there's no method acting in TV commercials. So, so. so the, the cast is, of course, super crucial. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. In, in the yeah. long and difficult process. Um, the casting director helps you to find the people. Um, but I guess for you, it's super important to have Uh, a variety of, of choice uh, to which is difficult in some case to get um, several profiles that fit into your brief um, the casting directors they probably work with acting agencies with model agencies but uh, hopefully in those days also with, they did with street other casting. resources they did street um, casting as well so yeah. yeah street castings which is another expression yeah. that maybe not everybody's familiar with so uh, I think the modern street casting if we talk about um, yeah this podcast and modelmanagement.com is uh, is As a key element here, um, I, I think platforms like modelmention.com have kind of taken the role of, of a street casting resource because at the end, you have more than a million profiles. You have, uh, and as a director, I guess it's it's nice to just click and say, okay, I need this kind of of profile, and, and see there's still a couple of hundred people available, and then now you can ask them to deliver you some some something that you get like more idea. Um, so how do you see that development? We just jump from, from your past yeah. career into today, how the world is, because you're still, still yeah, involved. Yeah, I mean, if you think about that, when you, when you think of an idea, you kind of have a picture of the person you want. You may not have it exactly, but you kind of, you have a picture. You have, it's like when you read a book, you, you put a character in your head of what they look like. Um, so if you see that on a page or on a screen, and you see somebody that you think um, has, has that look, then straight away, as long as you can meet them and you can work with them a little bit, they could well be it. So the so this is where, where street casting is very similar to what it is like now on modernmanagement.com. And um, where if you if you have a casting, if you go into the street and you see people that you think could be right, or if you go onto the screen and you see people that could be right, it's amazing. Because then you can, it's a lot, 
there's a lot about result directing in, in, in commercials and re, uh, result. And I say result because people just want what they want straight away. They may not be the time to really explore too much. And a client for Coca-Cola wants, or whoever it is, wants someone who's going to look right. So a lot of it is that. And, uh, and it's fast moving and everything else. So if you can see someone that you think just, yeah, you know what, that person's exactly the kind of look that I'm after, then it just makes life so much easier. So if you've got a bigger choice than just your kind of 10 or 15 people that are going to come through the door, it's, it's, it's brilliant for a director because you can say no very quickly. I mean, it's like on Tinder, you can say no very quickly. <laughs> but, um, but if you see someone you like, you're going to just say, yeah, you're going to stop. So if you've got the more people you've got to look at in the very first, like the first sort of part of the funnel, if you like, before you filter down to yeah. your shortlist, brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So it's obviously a, a bigger science behind the casting as we have learned from you is uh, it's, <clears throat> again something from outside you think it's super easy you know just have an idea and then you pick this person that's it but yeah. I, I've learned now that it's a, it's a long process between you and your client and the agency um, but but back to the tool of, of something like modelmanagement.com so um, if you have as, as a director now would have a brief he would just um, put the brief on, on the platform um, then people can say they are available and they think they're good for it but Of course, we know that many, many times um, you would not agree that they're, they, they're, they're good for it. So you then get a lot of people. And, um, and what happens then? Like, how do you select uh, what you just said, the person that you think they have the right look? And then uh, how do you get to the next step so you, you get more security or about yeah. that this is the right thing from, from what well, you've seen visually? So it starts all with a visual thing, that's yeah. a description, which is obvious. Now you have... 100 people who said, I want to do that. You go through it, uh, swiping or whatever you do. You have your shortlist of eight people. What, what is yeah. the next step? Then? Well, I mean, if you think about it now, it's so much easier now than it used to be. Like years ago, you had to make an appointment, arrange to meet. You had to have a casting studio. You had to, you know, it all had to happen physically. Now you can just go and do it and say, okay, you look great. Uh, I'd love to do a quick online video call with you. So then within... If you want, you can arrange that within a couple of hours and you can be talking to the person immediately. And then you say, oh, great. Here, by the way, here's, and you send in the, in the script, like a few lines that you want somebody to read if there's, if there's dialogue. Uh, and then you work with someone. You can be doing it immediately. Whereas years ago, it's a whole big deal. This is where a lot of the budget went as well on casts. And, and it's huge. Now it's, it's cut it all out. And it's, so a it's different kind of e-casting. E so you do the same. It's, like it's a studio, You just ask people to send a video. Yeah. And I mean, ask it's all instant. Do and they deliver it. Yeah. I mean, it's a mobile. It's instant. You can do it on the mobile. You do it on WhatsApp. You can do it on model management as well. You can do it. I mean, it's, it's super simple. Um, there's no, and also you don't have to have like a whole day of like 20 people coming in. You can do it when you want, you know, and uh, it's just a different, it's a different yeah. world now. It streamlined the process to make it a million times easier. Yeah, yeah. We we jumped a bit uh, yeah, from sure. the beginning of your career to now, but this this is my fault. I think it's because we are we're super interested to get to yeah. this modeling part yeah. of this podcast. Even though yeah, uh, this is more than models, and um, we're not talking only about modeling and models. Yeah. We're talking about people who are involved in the industry. Yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, you have you have you have make a job which many people dream of. It's super super cool uh, being a TV commercial director for big brands like McDonald's or Coca Cola. Um, but then, uh, apparently, at a certain point, you stopped doing that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's quite a exhausting and, and difficult role to be a director. Um, but um, and you were still very young. I think you had other ideas to do. Also, I, I read uh, or I know from you that 
that you you changed your location so you went yeah. from from london to barcelona that's right beautiful place because yeah. we're now recording this from barcelona i'm also living in barcelona that's right um so what is yeah what what was this what was happening that changed your yeah. life from one location to the other and from one profession to the next and what was it what you did after being a tv sure. director well i mean from my point of view i always wanted to make film uh, i always wanted to be a filmmaker i never actually wanted to be a commercial director <laughs> <laughs> however as i was working in the commercials industry and it was exciting at the beginning so you want to I, win the oscars yeah of course <laughs> and um so uh it was it was the idea was to start in commercials as a as a training ground um and learn my trade and and meet people and and get experience and get contacts and in the meantime write scripts which is what i did so i started to take time off in the first couple of years and try and take a few months off at a time and write a script and come up with film ideas then i did tv drama as well i made a film for channel 4 in england um which was an hour long tv and then i started to understand a little bit bit more about how the different industries worked and uh, it wasn't so different from doing a commercial you had people that were kind of like clients who were you know in this case it was producers or people that were saying no you got to cut it this way not that way and then as a filmmaker i felt i was i wanted to be an artist with filmmaking and i kind of started to feel this pressure of i don't want to do it your way i kind of <laughs> want to do it my way and i remember with a pizza hut commercial that i did and The, the client said to me, I need to see more of the pizza. I need to, and I said, if you want, I can give you 30 seconds of pizza <laughs> and we can just put a tagline on the end. And he didn't like that comment, but it's like, there's an idea there. There's a story. We're trying to bring emotion to your brand one way or another. So you can see the conflict. And uh, so it starts to be that commercials are more like a science and more like a trade. And I, I, I really want to, I love film. I'm passionate about film. So there was a bit of conflict and, And then after lots of, you know, lots of years of this and making advertising and really, I kind of got a little bit fed up with it. And then, then there was something else that happened, which I, it kind of excited me a little bit. And it was kind of when people started to say, oh, the TV spot is dead. And it, it wasn't going to die. But it was in those days, they started to say, oh, because internet's come out, internet's, everything's going to be streaming, everything's going to be online. And it started to excite me a little bit. It started to give me a kind of different direction because I kind of thought, okay, I probably won't be doing film now because I've kind of stopped writing my scripts and I'm kind of more into that world anyway, advertising, but I want to try and go somewhere different. And then I saw everyone, branded content was the word, was the word. Everyone was talking all the words, the buzzwords. So everyone was saying branded content, branded content. And we started realizing that actually there's a lot of technology that's coming out now where you don't need these huge budgets. Like you don't need these big crews. You don't need every, because cameras, uh, photography cameras like DSLRs started to exist. Uh, and you could start to shoot really nice things kind of cheaply. Um, and, and so all of a sudden I, I started talking with a producer, friend of mine in, in the UK. And we started thinking, and I, and I actually moved to another, another production company at this point. Uh, and the, the point of my move was to start up a, a branch that was that was going to be only for branded content. So this started excited me. It started getting me okay. So if let's say you have uh, I don't know Heinz ketchup, you know if you have Heinz ketchup, Heinz ketchup do a TV commercial, but they not only do a TV commercial, they need to do something that's going to go on the internet. They're going to need YouTube videos. They're going to need something where they have a competition. I even remember they did. Uh, 
was one of the examples we were talking about. Uh, how, how can you spin a ketchup bottle? And they had everybody user-generated content. What's the most interesting way you can spin a ketchup bottle? So these people that did cocktail shaking and all this were spinning. And then people started following these, these videos and then started liking and making their own videos. And they started doing competitions. And, and you could just start to see how advertising agencies and clients could expand from not only doing a TV commercial, they could do a whole campaign of different things that were really internet led. And so then this suddenly sort of sparked a bit of a light in my head. And I think this is interesting. I like this world. Um, but at the same time, I was with my partner. We were thinking about maybe moving uh, to a different country because oh, she she's German and she, she didn't like London as much. And I wanted to go somewhere sunny because I was getting a bit <laughs> sick of London and uh, as cool as London is. So we decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna move to Barcelona. So we made this this move, and then I started looking for some production companies in Barcelona who were interested in this kind of branded content, this new direction that people were talking about, but not so many people were doing. Found a production company in Barcelona and started doing some work for a, a, a client, and we we went and we shot lots of content. And suddenly it was kind of like, ah, this this world exists. This world works because I remember I went to Paris to shoot behind the scenes in a fashion Paris uh, fashion week. And, um, and, uh, and we went behind one of the big shows and we had a cameraman who had shot commercials, but was also into video. And we had a really cool video and uh, like a video camera, which now they're starting to get better. Uh, we had a cool editor and all of a sudden with just three people, instead of hundreds, hundreds <laughs> of people, we're making some quite cool content. And yeah. also, especially with the skills of knowing how to do this, um, all of a sudden it started, it started bringing me into this new world of how it is now really a lot and how brands are using, you know, it goes from everywhere. It goes from high-end TV commercials like they always had, all the way down to user-generated content which shot on your phone. Yeah. Uh, and everything's valid. Everything has a reason. Everything has a, a market. You know, some of the most viral videos have been people that have just shot something, you know, themselves on their mobile phone. So it's uh, and then that whole viral thing, you know, what can get most clicks, most follows, what what can be, you know, most popular on YouTube or, you know, shared on Facebook or shared on Instagram, whatever it is. So it just it was the beginning of a world that is now obvious to a lot of people, but wasn't obvious then and was just was just starting. So that was my, that was kind of like my progression from from London to Barcelona. to Barcelona, yeah. So yeah, I mean this this is uh, this is happening or has happened to so many industries, and uh, so you come from this old classic traditional world, uh, t shooting TV commercials for TV spots that are only broadcasted in TV, their own rules. Now the new technology arrives. You have internet, you have uh, YouTube, you have mobile phones that can shoot things. Um, and what you said, like really, is you have you have a TV commercial with 100 people involved. I don't know, 200k budget. And then you see like something done with a mobile phone and, and three people and you wonder, okay, really? I mean, is this the difference? Yeah. Which um yeah, which which happens to, to other industries as well. Um and and I think which also is is the reason why you started the next uh, step in your career, because um I think for, for brands or clients who have budget, they normally know more or less the target they wanna reach, the story they wanna tell, but then when it comes to like, okay. Do I use a big production company and this big budget, or do I use a small team? Do I, how do I combine YouTube and uh, and and TV? Um, so to to make the right decisions, there's more and more like resources in the internet that help you to find the right partner, the right people to to organize everything. 
And uh, I think that's why productionparadise.com uh, at that time in Barcelona uh, reached out to you or kind of matched with you. You yeah. found each other uh, because, um, yeah, they they are still the, the, the leading resource for for brands and for advertising agencies to find any kind of uh, crew and people uh, to make happen what they what they need in content. Um, at that time, I think they they were more into photography, and yeah. they um, they wanted to go into the into the like film video part. And um, also, I think I mean talk about ten years ago, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, now it's it's obvious. You have a mobile phone. You can do video and photo in high quality. Uh, at that time, I think it was a totally different world technology that uh, from the uh, from the equipment uh, from the technology. So you had a video camera and you had a photo camera, yeah. and and this is also all where everything started. Where suddenly the photographer could do videos, the videographer would do photos, and then everything mixes, and everybody yeah. tries to do everything, which is good. And it decides between three people and hundred people, and between thousand euros and hundred thousand budget. So what you need now is people who understand that and. And tell the brand, okay, what do you need, and how can I get the right team together? Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that right? What I no, absolutely. I, I mean, and, and I mean, if you about. think about, I mean, I t what what actually happened with cam with video? Um, video was always kind of this awful broadcast video that looked like when you watch the news, or you know, or even TV shows that are kind of made very kind of like in just in your country, not the big American TV shows that had loads of money, and then suddenly they they started to introduce something that made like the frame rate look more like film. And when I say frame rate, I mean, well, film is typically like 24, 25 frames per second, which is actually a photo every time you get 24, 25 photos, mm -hmm. one after the other, and that goes through the projector. And then they, and that could never happen on video until they invented it. And they started figuring out how to make it look like film. And then all of a sudden, photographers, they introduced this into DSLR cameras and these kind of cameras like RED and these other kinds of digital video cameras. And all of a sudden, that allowed photographers to be able to shoot things that look super nice, as well as their, their knowledge of lenses, their knowledge of lighting, um, and also bringing something else to, to the game as well, because maybe they've, they're, they're kind of a bit more flair with the camera than maybe a, a regular cinematographer would do. Or So yeah, so it just the whole technological thing started to happen, and also Final Cut, um, and iMovie, and all these kinds of, before it had to be Avid, which was like a super expensive setup. So all of a sudden, for, for the sake of maybe a thousand to two, three thousand euros, you can have a whole setup where you can make video production and it looks good. And that's changing, that changed the game completely. So then you had like Production Paradise. I remember when I came to Barcelona, Production Paradise was the website I was looking at all the time. And I was looking at production companies on Production Paradise and I was looking, and then And then I started thinking about Production Paradise, thinking I quite like this company. Who they're they're kind of cool. They're they're doing a lot of stuff, but they're not doing so much in film, but they're doing a lot in photography. And there's this crossover that's happening, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there for for Production Paradise to move more into the video side of things, and not only for bringing in new people, but also for the people that they have, uh, the photographers, because a lot of photographers are then seeing, hey, this is a new market for me. Okay, I may not have shot video before, but I can learn yeah. that and I'm at a very good level to start that. You know, it's not like you're starting at the beginning. You're a photographer and, and also Production Paradise is for the best photographers in the world. Um, so then all of a sudden it's, it opens up a whole new market. And, and that's where my introduction was for Production Paradise when I started working with yeah. them. Uh, because now we are, we are at the current, I wouldn't say at the end of your career, because apparently you have done a lot of things. You are passionate about something and you have always been involved in like something close to content creation 
being creative. Um, and now, as we as we know, and that's I think why you're here in the model uh, modelmanagement.com podcast more than models. You 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 work for modelmanagement.com. You changed again yeah. from production paradise to to model management. You got another exciting opportunity here. Um, so, what is your role now? Uh, I think it's it's we we say it's COO. Um, I mean, we talk. Yeah with each other and this is your role and the yeah. team knows that's it. But if I would ask the team, what is a COO? Maybe they wouldn't know it. <laughs> yeah. They would know what you do every day, yeah. but but describing the role is probably difficult. So what, what is yeah. a COO? How do you exercise your role as COO? I mean, it comes down to operations, but- What does uh, that it's, for? Well, chief, chief Operating, operating officer, officer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what it really means is, uh, from from my perspective in this company is I'm there to help with as much as I can help with, with the communication and with the, the design and the running and the marketing, everything, but on a level where we have specialists in all these different departments. We have specialists, but because- You're a director again. <laughs> so it's kind of like being a director of a team again. Yeah, I guess. And, uh, and I think, um, well, especially because uh, I was one of the beginning, I was the first person to be employed by the company. Um, uh, when it was a startup with only two, two or three people, um, you, you have to learn everything. We had to learn how to make this industry work from online and how to build. I mean, it's a revolutionary idea for, I mean, modelmanagement.com is, is not a modeling agency. If anyone's got that idea in their mind, it's, it's a modeling platform. It's a platform where people of the industry can connect and where people who are who are models or who want to be models or even just have the idea that maybe they would like to be a model can be on this platform. And it's, it's a very large, large network, global network where people can connect. Um, and this is what we do. So our job um, is to make that work. Our job is to make that, that network work so people can find the right kind of models for the right kind of jobs. And it's not only models. We're talking about anybody with talent. When you think about clients and what a client a client requires, one client might need uh, a model that looks like your typical model that you think of as soon as you think of the word model, tall, skinny. But then, but then, what about what about the brands like Decathlon or people that need sports or fitness? They won't. They don't want that kind of model. They need someone who plays volleyball. They need someone who knows how to kite surf. They need someone a different, or maybe another brand comes along and they need a musician or they need a dancer. This is where modelmanagement.com comes in because we have everybody, and the, and the, and the, the the potential of that is 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 massive. So uh, th this is what my job is 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 to really make sure that our team is working, that the communication of what we say on our website is the best it can be. The the way the website works is the best it can be. The um, the the users get the best and the easiest experience. Um, and then to work with all the specialists that we have in our team, whether it's UX designers, whether it's marketing team, um, whether it's the casting people, the people who work with all the castings, is to make sure that everything is running as, as well as it can run. Um, because at the end of the day, we have to be useful. This is what we, we pride ourselves on, is that we have so many castings on the site from professionals such as photographers, production companies, model agencies, brands, um, that we have to make sure that the models see those castings, that people that come to our site find the right fit for them. So if you've never modeled before, yet yeah, yeah, you might have a look that you think is interesting and a client comes to our site 
and is looking for your kind of look, that connection has got to happen. Um, and so this is what, the, it's, it's endless because we're always improving. We're always working. There's always something better we can do. There's always a way to expose that job to more people so that more people can have an opportunity to see it. Um, there's always better user experience. There's always better marketing from our point of view so more people know about our site and come to our site. So it's uh, it looks like a, a platform or when you go to the website, but you don't see all the work that goes in daily. It's not something that's just made and then it's left there. It's improved every day, every week, every month. And it's a big team of people working on that to try and make it the best it can possibly be. And at the end of the day, the users are going to tell us if they don't like it, they won't come. If they don't like it, they will leave the website. So it's we have to be useful. We have to be uh, what they want and what they need from both sides, from the modeling or people that want to be models, also to the professionals that are looking because the professionals are not messing around. They want people that are going to fit their briefs. So this is this is where this is what I do. It's uh, without you know going into details of the daily job. It's it's really that. It's really getting that team to really work and getting that message across. So you're you're all over the places. Uh, yeah, I'm all over like the places. Direct, yeah. Directing uh, <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. I, 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 I'm I was not thinking like yeah. it's a bit like you're still doing the same. You know, you yeah. uh, somebody approach you and say, look, I have this this idea. You know, like a vision, and it's kind of a movie, but it's reality. And, yeah. And you uh, are, from, are there from the beginning, and you try to find the crew and the elements to to make it happen. Exactly. Uh, and and with a, really a creative, cool. I, I tend to have like a creative side of me, obviously. So I try and put the creative vision as much in as I possibly can. And, and um, all your experience and, and knowledge, of course. Yeah. Uh, talk about experience. So um, uh, you have, you know, this industry now for 15, 20 years. You have worked with models a lot as a TV commercial director. And then uh, you probably with Production Paradise and model management, you have been involved more in the modeling industry. Um, how, how did it change in the last couple of years? And what does it mean? And why, um, yeah, why, why do you think that the project you're doing right now is is uh, maybe the future is something you you mm. also can be passionate about it yeah i think because i think brands uh and the fashion world has changed a lot um especially in the last 10 years and it's everybody is accepted now which is amazing and it's brilliant so diversity for modelmanagement.com is is key um so that uh clients want um uh all kinds of people to present their brand. So many years ago, plus size uh, or people with tattoos wouldn't be included. They wouldn't be accepted. Nowadays, they're, 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 people are reaching out for these kinds of people. So, and it just means inclusion. Everybody is included in the in the industry, which is something we pride ourselves on to present these these kinds of people, and that everybody has a has a place on the website. So authenticity, authenticity is, uh, is key. Yeah, yeah. So especially user-generated content. You think about the kind of brands now that want people to send send their kind of content into them. So you think of the typical. We've seen a lot more in the last year with the pandemic that um, unboxing or kind of like the reactions to people when they've received the product or people's testimonials, real testimonials that they shoot on on their phone or they record from Zoom or one of these kind of things. Um, this has had a boom. And, and these aren't typical models. These aren't people that are represented by top model agencies. These are real people. Um, and, and brands understand that now, which they never did years ago. 
So they understand that authenticity sells. I mean, brands, again, they do it for the money. At the end of the day, they're a brand. They need to sell. They need to market. Sure. But they want people that are authentic. They want people that match their audience. And that audience is not just this kind of very small niche anymore. It's all these kinds of niches all mixed up. So yeah. it's, it's a world that's opened up. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, user-generated content several times now in this podcast. Um, And I think, yeah, it's definitely a trend. Um, and, and now we have kind of a, of a scene where you have the models who come to a shoot where the photographer is already there and they just have to do what, what the photographer or whoever is the boss on the set uh, wants mm. them to do. Um, but more and more, you have also uh, models who create content. So we can talk about user-generated content or even model-generated content, which, yeah. is, which is nice. Yeah. And also, again, like with, we said before, The technology helps a lot because the mobile phones are amazing what they do with AI right now. The, the quality, it's really hard to say sometimes, is it done with a mobile phone or with a professional sure. camera? Was it a super professional director or was it just a boyfriend or somebody who, who shot uh, the model? Um, yeah, I think that what, what is really trendy and we see right now um, is that models, uh, we, we reach out to models who are people who are good in front of the camera at the end. You know, like a model is not like, like a just this beautiful young girl or guy who runs uh, on a catwalk in New York. Yeah. Uh, a model is a person who, who is in front of the camera, feels comfortable, knows how to, how to transmit whatever has to be transmitted authentically. And, uh, and then now they have the tools to do that themselves, which means brands or whoever needs it can get uh, a ready yeah. created content. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, I think there's there's a few things here. I mean, when you think about user-generated content, it's not just the typical old-fashioned kind of user-generated content. It's been around for a long time. We're talking about, well, now think about with modeling. Modeling is really about attitude. Um, so if you've got somebody who's got great attitude and great spark and great look, and um, then brands want these people to be content creators. So... Uh, what's a content creator? I mean, a content creator is anybody that generates content for that brand that kind of looks like the kind of person that that brand would sell to. So, for example, we had um, we had a really good example recently from a, a company called Mela, who uh, maybe a lot of you know them. They're sunglasses. They sell sunglasses online. And they were looking to do a brand new campaign. Uh, and they, they needed, I think, 20, 20 content creators around Europe. Um, and they put the casting on there on modelmanagement.com and, and, and they, they had thousands of people apply to this, to this casting uh, and they could pick and choose who they think, who they thought the people were that looked right, that just represented their brand, which are real people. And, you know, they're real people that had a certain kind of look that matched their, matched their market. Um, and I think in their case, they sent them sunglasses in the post. Um, and then the, the content creators just put the sunglasses on, took photos with their mobile phone Uh, and they sent it back. They sent the photo, they emailed the photos to Mela, and Mela used them on their website. They used them in their social media, and it's representative of the brand because these are real people who are the right kind of market, who wear the sunglasses, who look cool because the sunglasses are all cool, and Mela's super happy. And you know how easy is that as as a brand to create content? Yeah, it's it's super simple. You know, you just put a casting brief on the on a website, or which happens to be modernmanagement.com, and And then you get these applicants and yeah. it's, and what a bit of postage for sending the product. And it's, it's crazy really. And you get really, I mean, and it's the authenticity of these photos taken by the people, not, there's no crew, there's no big camera, no camera department. There's no nothing. There's no lighting. 
It's just these people thinking, I've got my mobile phone. Where am I going to look good with my sunglasses? Yeah. And that's what they want. And that's what they, it's the authenticity. And, and it's not just that. You've also got, um, you've got influencers. So I don't know. I'm sure many people that are listening are, are familiar with the word influencer or model yeah. influencer. Um, and so now this is a slightly different way where a, a brand can first, they can do a casting of some kind with telling that they want influencers. They can look at everybody's profile and say, okay, how many followers does this person? Because when you're looking for influencer models, it's, it's the reach that this person has, which is what's important. It's the reach that this person can bring your brand um, or your company. So if someone's got many followers on Instagram and then all of us, it depends, there's different levels of, of influencers. Um, but if there's someone that has a big reach, um, then what they can do, they do it in a slightly different way where the influencer will talk about something and just put in, they'll sneak in your brand a little bit into the, into the conversation. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I mean, you have a good, good reach, but at the end, uh, the person who has the reach doesn't really represent the brand, right? So it's more like, I think brands are more looking to ambassadors, brand ambassadors, people who really represent yeah. the brand from, from their values, from their look and, and everything. And, and that's probably the difference between an influencer platform or looking for an influencer. It's just, okay, I have a million followers, but we yeah. know, I mean, obviously when I look at Instagram and see these people, um, I would say they don't give a lot of uh, importance to what they represent as long as they were paid well. Exactly. And, and you yeah. can tell, you know, you can yeah. tell that there's suddenly this guy, I don't know what he's, what he's selling, but you don't know why. And, uh, and I think what really matters is that you find people who, who, who believe what they sell and they, they really like it. Yeah. And, and, and probably that's, that's more the trend on, on modelmanagement.com as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially with the, with brand ambassadors. I mean, brand ambassadors that really represent, represent a brand and, a are happy to uh, add content daily, weekly for the brand. Uh, and it's also, it's, it's, a, it's a massive market. It's, it's funny, actually, now we talk, we are both like seniors in the industry. And uh, I mean, actually nothing new. Models have always been brand ambassadors. I mean, look at the supermodels yeah, exactly. in the 90s. I mean, yeah. they, they, were, they were paid to represent one, one brand and you could see them two years doing that. They got a lot of money. And not like right now, an influencer who represents one brand today and another brand tomorrow and another brand the next day. I think we are back to the roots of there where a model is a brand ambassador and has to be, uh, yeah, has to fit to the brand. And, and I think modeling and, and, and influencing brand ambassador is, has always been the same. And now we go back to the core of it. Let's, let's, be, let's be transparent. I mean, this is, this is, again, this is more than models. Um, we are both involved in modelmanagement.com. We want to be transparent. We want to talk about the people who work for the company, mm -hmm. the people who work with the company. Uh, your story is cool because you have been uh, in, a, in a job that worked with the company and now you are working within the company. Um, there's a lot of glamour around the modeling and a lot of expectations from models. And I think we have to be fair that, uh, of course, this is not about... Uh, Everybody can be a supermodel. Everybody can be a model. No. Uh, can have the experience to be a model. Can be, um, can can try the luck in modeling. But of course, there's a um, there's many more models who want to do that than than jobs available. So at the end, sure, I think we have to be fair to say it's it's a good platform from a model point of view to try. For the client, it's a dream because they just have the choice wherever they want from whatever kind of profile they want. But from the models or the people who want to be modeling who, who go into the platform, um, we have to be fair to say, okay, there's not as many jobs as models. So it's as in anything uh, you want to do. 
uh, it's you have to be good. You have to try, and 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 you have to not expect that you be Heidi Klum or Claudia Schiffer or whoever uh, tomorrow. That you it's an experience, and you can get very far or maybe not, but enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, and 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 learn. No, and something. Or how would yeah, you describe ab- absolutely. that? Absolutely. I mean, you you go on the site. Um, to have a presence on the site and to be able to apply to castings that you may not have had access to before. So, and also you, you, yeah, I mean, obviously the supermodels, we're talking about a very, very small percentage where when we're, we're actually working with people that are looking for jobbing models, people that are doing jobs every single day, like photographers, small brands, big brands, uh, all kinds of production companies, all kinds of people that, so there's a vast array of modeling jobs available, but, it doesn't mean you're going to go on the site and you're going to get A, discovered the next day, or B, you're going to find this job the, the, the same week. You, you've got to be realistic. I mean, at the end of the day, it's every casting is a job um, at the end of the day. And a job, usually only one person gets the job. I mean, sometimes they have casting for 10 people, 15 people, but at the end of the day, so lots of people are applying, um, lots of people. And the reality of the world, whether you're looking for a job or whether you're in modeling or anything, is you may not always be contacted to say, sorry, you didn't get the job because clients are busy. People are just, they're only interested in getting that result of the person they want. They're not, they're not going to just spend their whole afternoon sending emails to people, a thousand people, sorry, didn't get the job. So you have to, and that's the same in the, the real world as well. You know, if you apply for something, you may not get it. How many jobs you applied for where you just didn't hear anything after you sent a CV? It's the same. So you have to be realistic from that point of view. You have to be realistic that you may not be what they're looking for. Um, and also you have to think about your profile. You have to think about, okay, uh, I, I think I have an interesting look. You may well have an interesting look. You may well have the right attitude, the right, the right kind of feel. Somebody may well be interested in you one day. However, you've got to present yourself to make yourself look good on the site. So make sure you either do the Model Academy or you just look online, you can look at YouTube, how to take nice photos of yourselves. Um, and, and just work a little bit, work a little bit on your profile, add a few more photos, get a couple of other people to take photos of you. Maybe um, get a look for TFP shoots, which are kind of like collaborations, which means uh, it might be a photographer who's not working at that moment, but is looking to try a new style, a new lens, a new, new lighting technique, a new, you know, wants to do some fashion commercial, uh, fashion photography, and all they've done is wedding photography. So... And then you can work for free for that photographer. They will shoot. They will shoot some shots in the style they want. Um, and then it's a win-win. You get some nice photos that you can put on your on yeah. your model management profile the experience. or your social media. You get the experience. The photographer learns is trying some new things, and it's a win-win. And you can start to build. So you can't expect to go on there and the next day be discovered. Yeah. Um, it may well have happened, but it's not what it's about. It's not the idea. The idea you've got to go in. You should work. You've got to be persistent. You've got to apply to lots of castings because you, you may not get that first casting and there's a big chance you won't, <laughs> you know. So, so, but the people that stick at it, the people that really, you know, think about it, work it, be passionate. If you really want to do it, go for it. Uh, if you're happy to just put your pictures there and just try, try. Uh, yeah. One day someone might come along and say, you know what? You're exactly right, but you've got to, you've got to work a little bit. You've got to apply to the castings. You've got to, you don't, you don't get nothing from nothing. You know? Yeah. You have to get yeah, you have to be prepared for also rejection, which is quite oh, normal absolutely. in this job. Everybody, I mean, even you as a TV commercial director, yeah. you didn't get every every no, client no. and and that's that's normal. Uh, and then you have to I think put the expectation 
um, realistically. You can always have a dream, and if you're really totally into it and you insist and you you have the patience to to work on it, you know, improve every day, try a lot, uh, knock on every door. Uh, yeah. We have you know that a lot from from superstars that they they had these years of failing and not getting anywhere. We have that also on the platform. I remember one case, um, especially in Spain. Uh, I think she's quite famous right now, Sita Abayan. Yeah. Um, she came into modelmansion.com, I would say, seven, eight years ago. We had this uh, award, Fresh Faces, um, where the judges were the typical model agencies who had this kind of, yeah, I have to have, girls have to be at least 175 and have this and that. And and, um, and she applied. She, she had this idea of being a model, but she was absolutely not the prototype. But she was brilliant and insisting in her kind of way how she is. You know, I, we looked yeah. at her face and was like, wow, this, she's so cool. You know, she has everything to express herself in a special way. She's a brand itself. And um, and, and yeah, and she and, and she insisted. And then we kind of put her in front of these agents, scouts who were like, no, she's not tall enough and stuff. Mm -hmm. But she was just so convincing and, and she had this vision. She wanted to do it. And she won the, the award this year. So she beat like all these typical, tall, brilliant looking, fantastic prototype yeah. looking girls. She was also brilliant. But and this was, I think, the first moment I realized like, OK, wow, there's something changing here right now. And you can with the right attitude and, and having your own brand insisting you can get very far. And I mean, uh, I think if you look at now Sita Abiyan, you will see she got really far. Yeah, she's that, done super we have more well. and more cases like that. Yeah, she, really cool. she she rocked it. I mean, she rocked it and she and and the attitude she had and just the kind of just the vibe that she brought across. I mean, it, it, it's gold. And I think many people can have that. I mean, you've just got to believe in yourself. and You've got to go for it and believe what you've got is is unique. Um, and that's what people are looking for now. Yeah. And I also know cases where um people didn't get that far they just uh yeah they did the academy or they learned a bit like okay i had an i had an idea of the modeling world when i started that and i could do that was was uh was just my mobile phone uh setting up and signing up to modelmention.com uh i got some more instructions how how to get nice pictures of myself and i did never got a paid job but i got a like a, this, this kind of test shooting how you described it and i ended up having this experience like being a model for one day being on the set with makeup artists and mm -hmm. stylists it's really exciting uh and i have this picture which is uh which i have now for forever i mean they, they're yeah. doing other jobs now but they still remember there's this 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 uh, this nice photo this kind of moment of fame with their families or maybe it didn't turn out as a and they don't like the picture and they also say okay i've tried it but i've recognized i'm not the person in front of the camera yeah. i mean the thing is that if you have an idea of getting somewhere and you really believe in it, just give it a try, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And there's lots of people that are, that are looking for people for, for different reasons, you know, for different kinds of projects. So maybe you're not the person that's going to be featured on the cover of a magazine, but maybe you're the person that's perfect for the background in a, in a, in a TV commercial where they need lots, lots of, I don't know, teenagers laughing or they, you know, there's so many opportunities in different, different fields or extras in movies. We have lots of movie extras, you know, um, and everyone wants something. Everyone, every brand needs some kind of target. Every, if you think you, you could pick 10 brands and every brand would have something slightly different at the kind of user, their, their target niche. Um, so there's, and then there's millions of brands. So it's, and, it's, and it's, opportunities. A, it's so many opportunities. Yeah. Um, and then they have to admit being transparent. I mean, I'm, I'm married to a model and I, 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 thanks to her, I knew the industry. And thanks to her also, I was sometimes asked like, hey, can you also go together with your wife or with your kids into a shooting 
And I, to be honest, I never felt very comfortable uh, in front of the camera, even though I've, I also thought like, wow, exciting, cool, I can do that, you know, it's yeah. good. But for yeah. myself, I just found out, okay, I'm better behind the camera yeah, yeah, or yeah. like doing what I'm doing now. And uh, But I'm happy I had this experience because I don't have the illusion that I could also have maybe been a supermodel being on the on the, on the, on the covers of magazines or whatever. It's like... Um, yeah, I yeah. think you, you have to find out for yourself. I found out for myself and I'm, <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable in front of a camera. I, I'm not even that comfortable talking here. I mean, I kind of feel a little bit, you know, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. But everybody's got their, got their thing. Everybody's got something that they that they love and if you want to try it there's no there's no better place to try it you know so. let's let's uh, let's use this moment to uh, to cheer for our team i think we have uh, an amazing team and we both admit that we are not the super uh, we are not supermodels and we're not uh, super confident in the camera but we have a team of, of young people one one is sitting with us right now our editor of this podcast and uh, i'm so happy when i see her and and all the other young talented girls and guys they do tiktok videos and instagram videos and they enjoy it so much to be in front of the camera they can do that like wham switch on and uh, and that's so cool that first of all you have people who have that talent and who combine that with their job but that also have technology uh, like a mobile phone that makes it so easy to do it uh, and they have the balls to do it you know even though they're not uh, actors yeah. or, or models um, they do it really nicely and authentically and then you have social media platforms like facebook instagram TikTok that allow you to spread that and our community with half a million followers on instagram where suddenly you know we we can show these this the talent of these, of no, these exactly. young people I mean, our, our team it's, it's, it's kind of like our brand i mean we're fortunate that the people that we have working with us are the people we're targeting at the same time so they're young they understand they know how to make these videos they know how to edit they know how to how to present it they know how to talk and it's 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 we're all part of the same thing so we've kind of cast our our employees to be people <laughs> that are right for our brand but but and we're very fortunate because they're all brilliant um so uh so yeah, yeah it's it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a just combination been, of talents at the end of the day it's just companies who are smart um and understand they need to be in touch with their market at the end of the day and what's the best way to be in touch with your market is somebody who's like their market talking to their market yeah. do you know what i mean it makes absolute sense i mean if it was just andreas you and i talking to our market we would be a little bit <laughs> <laughs> of course it yeah it's be, not our role we have other people who do on. that yeah. much better yeah um now we come to the end of this podcast and uh, i have two more two more things two more homework for you to do um, the people who know our podcast, um, they know that there's always a question that comes from one guest to the next guest. And um, this is a question I have to ask you now. Um, and then afterwards, you can, um, of course, do the same and think about a nice question um, that you want to ask okay. one of the next guests. So the guest who asks questions, which name I will not say unless uh, you will know it if you heard the podcast. Um, his uh, question was, what is the craziest dream you ever had? The one you remember the most? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy I don't have to answer the question. <laughs> uh, it's a bit surreal, uh, as all dreams. The thing is, you kind of wish when somebody asks you that question, you think you don't really want to hear the answer because when people tell you their dreams, they start off as really interesting and they just get really bored. You can listen and you think, oh, just stop <laughs> telling me this story. It's going nowhere. Um, so anyway, you've got to listen to this now. Um, so I think the dream that I remember the most was me sitting at a dinner table in a Hollywood mansion with Elvis, Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson. Oh, wow. This was my dream. <laughs> and uh, because I'm a big fan of all of them. 
And we were talking about movies. And I remember Marlon Brando was sitting there looking very serious, as he did. Um, and I was saying, well, one of my best movies or one of my favorite movies was On the Waterfront with Marlon Brando. Oh, I love that movie. You know? <laughs> and there's me talking about. And then Marlon Brando suddenly looks and says, uh, my favorite movie was Willy Wonka <laughs> and The Chocolate Factory. And... And and he started saying because I like the Oompa Loompa song, <laughs> and singing uh, started singing Oompa Loompa, and that's that's the dream, and that's so that was pretty surreal. It's a real dream, that's and that was like, a real dream, and not that your was, script of your of one was, of your TV commercials. Yeah, I mean there, there may have been more to it. I can't remember, <laughs> but just seeing Marlon Brando singing Oompa Loompa song <laughs> was uh, was kind of surreal. You should you should uh, you should shoot that as a video. I think that's yeah. really cool. Ask <laughs> ask them are they still alive? Or? Yeah, no, um, <laughs> Elvis not. For Sure. No, it's not. Uh, Marlon Brando, not. Okay, so uh, you have to find actors or Jack people Nicholson. on modelrange.com yeah. who act as them and, uh, and, and shoot that, the stream. It's really, I think it's really funny it's to be surreal. very entertaining. Yeah. Cool. So, so um, did you also think about um, a question that you want to ask? Yeah, I have a question. Um, where is the most inappropriate place you burst out laughing? Burst out laughing. Okay, that's that's probably a short answer, but it will be very interesting. Yeah, but you need to have the story behind it. <laughs> All right, good. So then um, we come to the very last point of this. Um, it's also something very positive, but also serious. Um, we collaborate with a project called SoHappy.org. So I think it's dash happy or minus happy.org uh, to to check the domain. And, uh, and we like it a lot because it's about um, the power of, of being grateful, the power of, of saying thank you. I think the slogan in the website is like, be grateful now. Um, I think the, the problem we see is that we all know that how nice it is if somebody says thank you to you, um, or so how nice it feels to say thank you to somebody. But many, many times we, we think it, but we don't say it, or we don't express it. And this project is exactly about that, you know, like, if you have somebody you really appreciate what he or she did for you, um, uh, some some jest or something that made a difference for you, that um, but but you forgot to tell this person, or you think that this person doesn't know that, um, then in this on this website uh, or uh, on the mobile, uh, you can just go and shoot a video and say thank you to the person you want to, and they send it to this person, and then if you want, other people can see it, inspire, and do the same. So uh, we really like this project. That's why we support it. And that's why in every podcast we ask uh, at the last minute of this podcast, we ask our guest to say thank you to somebody. Um, if if any fam family member of yours, sister, brother, mother, whoever is expecting, ah, oh, yeah, Mark, <laughs> thank you to me. We also say that make it not so obvious. Um, of course, we all are very thankful for these, these family members. Um, you can still do that if somebody doesn't expect it. It's more like not the direct family member, but uh, yeah. Uh, do you have any person you want to say thank you to? And if yes, please do it now. It will be the last part of this podcast. I say already goodbye to everybody and give the, the word and the space for saying thank you to Mark. Yeah, there's uh, one person that I think of first. Um, it's a very good friend of mine called Steve Spiro. Uh, who lives in Los Angeles. Um, he's someone who, uh, he's an actor, um, very good actor, working very hard, and, um, and a writer. And, uh, and 
years ago when I was working in film and uh, we were doing projects together and and even though he was in another country uh, I like a lot of people you have some times where you have some hard times from a point of view like you know in your head and you kind of need someone to lean on um, and Steve was always uh, the person that I would call very late at night um, and try and get the time zones correct and he would always be the person that was there for me to listen and to help me get through these times um, and uh, and he remains uh, one of my best friends so um, I would like to say thank you to Steve. And that was all for today. Don't forget to rate the episode if you liked it and stay tuned for what's coming next. Sound right, boys.